there, my name is Kathleen and this is The Osborne Tapes, the re-release of the Analyst Corner podcast with Debbie Osborne. Today's episode is about InfraGuard, the public-private alliance for security, and features Joseph Concanon, the founder of the New York Metro InfraGuard Member Alliance. Joe served as a captain of the NYPD for over 20 years and has received countless awards from the NYPD and as well as the FBI. His experience ranges from confidential investigations to public policy and risk assessment to education programs. He really has done it all. In this episode, we hear about the public and private sectors and how they can communicate efficiently and protect the nation's infrastructure through InfraGuard. InfraGuard is a program that utilizes the private sector and government partnership to enhance the nation's ability to address and mitigate threats to critical infrastructure by fostering collaboration, education, and information sharing. InfraGuard promotes ongoing and efficient communication between its members and the FBI through various programs. The two-way exchange of information equips InfraGuard members with knowledge, information, and resources to protect their organizations while the FBI benefits from the private sector engagement, insight, and their expertise, and that can actually help prevent terrorism, cybercrime, espionage, you name it. Debbie and Joe discuss the importance of networking and this community when developing safety and protection practices and policies, and what that actually looks like in action. And as always, be sure to check out today's episode notes. We've updated the links and the resources that were mentioned. You can also find Joe's contact information as well as the link directly to InfraGuard and the list of local chapters to see which one is near you. All right, let's get into today's episode. Today's topic is the protection of our critical infrastructure. Um, Hi, Joe. Um, I'm just introducing you now on the show, okay? Okay. Our guest, our guest is retired NYPT Captain Joseph Concanon, President and CEO of New York Metro InfraGuard. Hi, Joe. How are you today? Not good. How are you? Very good. Thank you for joining me on the show. I got a little bit worried there because, um, you know, the show starts and I have to start the show and, and then um, see if the guest shows up. So I'm happy that you made it. Um, yeah, I, I almost forgot myself, as a matter of fact. I'm trying to plan a military affair for... Uh, for November, and uh, it's a stack of paperwork. I got involved in reading it, and I forgot to take my head up and look. <laughs> oh, that happens. But yep. um, so, could you explain? I don't actually understand InfraGuard that well, so maybe you can explain to me and our guest give us a little overview of what InfraGuard is. Uh, I'd be pleased and happy to. And, and once again, uh, I want to thank you for inviting us on to the show. I think it's just a wonderful opportunity. Uh, to do one of the things that, uh, as you'll learn uh, from me in a little while, uh, InfraGuard is very good at doing, and that's communicating and exchanging information and uh, and really educating people. Uh, so uh, your radio show uh, goes a long way to accomplishing a lot of the things, a lot of the goals um, that the InfraGuard program is all about. Uh, but welcome, everybody, to the show, and uh, we hope you can learn a little about uh, the InfraGuard program. Uh, probably important for everyone to note, um, InfraGuard is a public-private initiative of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And like most government programs, it started uh, a little herky and quirky in the beginning. Um, the Cleveland office of the, of the FBI, uh, back in 1996, decided that uh, they needed more information to understand some of the technology issues that were confronting them. And when they uh, when they did it, what they they did what all law enforcement normally does when they need questions answered, they uh, they go out to the private sector, 
and they knock on a few doors and they say, hey, listen, we need some help in understanding how this works, uh, how it might work uh, in ways uh, that's not conventional, and uh, we really need an understanding. So the Cleveland Field Office, uh, they get the, uh, I guess, the gold star for the day. Um, they did just a wonderful job at the program. And um, they uh, initially began to learn how firewalls could be used. A lot of technology issues, uh, Deb, uh, a lot of technology issues were discussed. Um, how do you use a firewall? Where do you use it? How can it be made to look like it's a firewall? And it's really not. Um, how do you control an access control list? What's the best way to establish one? Um, how could we make it look like a, an access control list is established and, and really poke holes in it? Um, so there were a lot, of, a lot of different things that the FBI needed to do. And while they were learning all these new technologies, um, they needed to do this so that they could accomplish what? So that they could uh, better understand uh, case development as they were going along in the investigative process, uh, understanding how some of the technology might touch during the course of an investigation, further some investigations, understanding that when they were going into a crime scene or called into an investigation, um, what was some of the evidence that they should be looking for? What were they recovering? Uh, today, uh, you know, something as, as uh, I guess, not so obvious as like a magnet sitting on a desk that could be a, uh, a USB stick with uh, 8 gigs or, or 30 gigs of information and, and no bigger than a pencil, if you would. Um, so that's, that's, those are some of the things initially back in 1996 that the FBI was trying to learn about. They were trying to learn how technology would, would help them either advance their cases, bring new cases to development, or um, uh, just further their own information um, on how they could use technology during the course of an investigation. What happened since then um, is InfraGuard grew to about 50 chapters, is what they were called at the time. All right, um, and it was around the country, and it was kind of loosely put together. There was no overarching uh, constitution or bylaws or anything like that. Uh, it was just a very informal thing with different FBI officers around the country learning about Cleveland's great experience. And then what happened from there is there were a lot of these very positive experiences. Well, unbeknownst to us in New York, um, you know, all this was going on. And, and New York had one of the, I'd say, probably one of the weaker alliances at the time. And uh, it was after 9-11, and I had retired from NYPD, and we had kind of gotten behind the program. There were four of us um, from New York who got involved. And we said, well, we were, some of us were, I guess the three of us were from government uh, at the time, and, and one of us was from the private sector. So the guys from the government said, look, we've got to take this as a formal program. We can't do this loose here in New York. Uh, so we went to the Secretary of State for the state of New York, and we made it a formal 501c3 program so that nobody would think that, this non-for-profit entity was, you know, going into our private pockets. We wanted an official company. And then we went to the IRS and we sought, um, you know, the 501c3 determination. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, we've grown uh, the InfraGuard uh, chapter in New York um, from four people. Well, while we did that, 
our national board was kind of reorganizing. And the FBI kind of understood that, you know, that, that really cool idea that Cleveland had? Well, it's grown. <laughs> We've got 50 alliances, and I think at that time they had something, some, something like 7,000 secure members across the United States. And I'll, I'll get into that. Just make a note, Deb, if I, if I uh, don't remember bringing up secure membership again. But uh, so they needed, they needed some formality with this. Uh, the Bureau did, and so did our national board. So just as I was coming in uh, with, uh, with, with my colleagues, establishing New York and making it a formal structure, uh, the FBI and our national board said, you know what, good idea. We need to do that all around the country. So InfraGuard now um, has a, an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, um, between our national board and the FBI, and there's a unit inside the FBI that actually manages the program. It's called the Public-Private Alliance Unit, and uh, just a great group of people down in Washington, D.C., down in the headquarters of the FBI, and uh, they manage this program. But um, our national board has an MOU with that, with that unit for the FBI, and every single non-for-profit, um, in other words, uh, an InfraGuard non-for-profit, all right, such as the New York City InfraGuard Members Alliance, all right, signs on to that, that MOU. So at our national level, we have the InfraGuard National Members Alliance. That's our governing board. And today we have 86 companies that have signed on. And each one of those companies are non-for-profit companies. And uh, like New York, they take on the city name, and then the words InfraGuard Members Alliance. So you have the New York City InfraGuard Members Alliance. Uh, you have the um, uh, the Albany uh, InfraGuard Members Alliance, um, the Buffalo InfraGuard Members Alliance, and then you can go out throughout the United States, L.A., uh, Houston, Chicago. You know, any any major, major metropolitan city uh, basically has an InfraGuard Alliance. Each one of the InfraGuard alliances at the local level. So for New York City, we're affiliated with one of the 56 field offices of the FBI. So the New York City InfraGuard Members Alliance is affiliated with the New York City field office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So that's kind of how um, the whole organization of InfraGuard um, is established and how the FBI kind of formalized it. And yes, we grew from about 50 chapters of InfraGuard uh, to 86 InfraGuard members alliances. All right, each one of these uh, 501c3 um, companies. Now, there's, there's, if anyone's doing the math here, I mentioned 86 alliances and 56 field offices of the FBI. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, well, what happens here is, um, like the New York City field office of the FBI, uh, the Long Island and the New York City InfraGuard Members Alliances, two separate companies, they both report into the New York City field office of the FBI. Fairly simple example, right? You know, So we've got two alliances reporting into one field office. Like upstate, I think it's a little bit different. I think we have uh, Rochester, Buffalo, and Albany 
all reporting into uh, whatever the Northern Field Office is up there. All right, so you can see how there's more than one alliance reporting into one field office, and and it's that way around the country, you know, where where you come to um, uh, states and cities where they have large, you know, large epicenters, uh, large population centers. All right, um, same things going on down at uh, Southern California and L.A., San Francisco, and all that stuff. So, um, so that's kind of like the organizational structure, which I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding about the InfraGuard program. Um, do you have any questions about that, Deb? Um, not really. I was thinking how interesting it was that it, InfraGuard started looking at the, um, the firewalls in information technology. And actually, as the mission of InfraGuard um, that that is stated is to protect the critical infrastructure, I hadn't really thought about actually the infrastructure also includes computers in a sense, systems that were vulnerable. I would imagine is that true, or is that just well, you know, you you, you raise a very good point, um, and it's a valid one about InfraGuard, but it, it it's one that's uh, that has changed. All right, in, the InfraGuard program um, that the FBI put out there has really evolved. Um, initially, uh, when the FBI out of Cleveland was looking, it was really all about information technology. Uh, and it wasn't just firewalls. It was, you know, how do you set up access controls? And, you know, what is a virus? What is a worm? You know, I mean, it was some of what today would be called some very, very basic stuff in, in information technology. Well, the FBI, along with every single law enforcement agency, I'd say probably across the globe, all right, they were all just, you know, boning up on all this. You know, they were all just bringing the information to the table and saying, you know, scratching their heads saying, okay, how do we deal with this? <laughs> all right, so the best way that the FBI thought of dealing with it um, was reaching out to the, to the private sector. Um, so in the beginning, in its early stages, in its young stages, the InfraCard program was really all about IT. The the evolution here, and and this is really an important thing for listeners to to understand, is that information technology today, and I'm going to say something that's not so clairvoyant or you know brilliant here. Um, it's really understood by everybody, but information technology today has woven itself into literally every aspect of our society, uh, the fabric of everything that we do. I mean, I can't go food shopping, you know, at my local stop and shop or something like that um, without information technology having an impact, whether I'm using credit card to pay, to do payment, whether I'm going to a kiosk. It, it, it's just everywhere. So the InfraGuard program, while it was established to protect um, critical infrastructures through um, Presidential Decision Directive 63, uh, from President Clinton, and then expanded upon with President Bush. Um, it has 18 different areas, which it's really looking to, you know, execute its mission on, right? Um, so I'll list those areas. Uh, a little boring, maybe for some of the listeners, but I'll get through it quickly. So the first, the first uh, area is uh, agriculture and food, then banking and finance, chemical, defense industry-based, drinking water and wastewater treatment systems emergency services, energy, information technology, national monuments and icons, postal and shipping, public health and health care, telecommunications, transportation systems, commercial facilities, 
commercial nuclear reactors and material waste uh, dams in government facilities. And today we, we include manufacturing as part of that as well. So it's, it's really, the mission is critical infrastructure protection. You know, in, in one hand, uh, we on the private side, you know, all these IMAs around the country, the 86 of us, we all look at the FBI and, and with really with two eyes on this. The first one is, oh, gee, thanks for such a, a global mission statement, right? Protect the, the national critical infrastructures of the United States. Wow, is that a tall order. And then on the other part, um, we really say, you know, to the FBI, you know, and, and to our friends up at the, our national board, well, you know, this really does make sense because as we have evolved as a program, Information technology has embroiled itself and, and emblazoned itself in each one of these critical infrastructures in one way or another. All right. So when we talk about information technology, um, the security director who who now supervises a building, whether it's you know a, a, a one-story building or a forty-story building, information technology has woven its way in there. Very simply, just at, at the front gate as you go into a building. All right, you're either hitting it with a, a proximity card, you know, those uh, electronic uh, card readers, or you've got some sort of access control device, some type of biometric device. Um, there's something um, that people are using in each one of these facilities um, to uh, authenticate who these, who these people are that are coming into their buildings. So the InfraGuard program has really evolved. In New York City, our approach... And this is, this is another kind of important point because I'll draw a distinction between New York City and um, the state of New Mexico. All right, and you might, your listeners might say, wow, what do they have in common? Well, you're, you're going to learn in a second. All right, so in, the, in New York City, we have what we call the communication and education program. And we put that on every month, and we, we try and cover a, a wide swath of areas which really hones in on the, the banking and finance area, emergency services, energy, information technology, uh, postal and shipping, public health, telecommunications, and transportation. Those are kind of some of the areas that we dwell a lot in. However, if you go out to New Mexico, all right, our friends out there have nicknamed InfraGuard AgriGuard. And the reason being is because the folks out in New Mexico and, and in California are very, very concerned about agriculture and food. Now, it's not that we're not concerned in New York City, but they're actually monitoring the farms, the transportation systems that are picking up uh, you know, all these materials that we, we process and eat every single day of the week. So there's a distinction of the program, right? In New York City, our... our our regular mantra in our, our communication and training program is really not on agriculture and food, um, but it is in New Mexico because that's what's driving a lot of their economic systems out there. All right, uh, we really don't have any farms in New York City to speak of, so it's not really you know our main focus point. We're looking at the banking and the other industries because that is definitely a focus here in the New York City area. So that's kind of a distinction of how you look at an infraguard from the perspective of uh, a national program, right? 
Um, certainly, if you were to go up to Alaska, considering that our new presidential uh, uh, vice presidential selection is coming from Alaska, you know, you might talk about the oil pipeline and things of that nature. If you're down in Texas, uh, you might talk about a lot of the oil rigs and oil companies that are down there, and it might be a, a very, very big energy discussion. All right, uh, that might take front and center, especially if you're in the Galveston, Texas area. Um, if you were down in like uh, the Kentucky area, uh, well, uh, the uh, the defense uh, the defense industry down in the Kentucky Tennessee area is huge. And if you were down in Atlanta, you might be talking about um, some of the transportation and maritime issues. Although we do cover some of that here in New York and New Jersey. Um, however, California also has you know some of the the largest maritime uh, lines and ports, um, you know, in the world. So, um, so that's kind of like uh, the diversity of the program, if you would. So, you can correct me if I if I'm wrong here. InfraGuard brings together stakeholders, like members of the public and private sector, who have information or have concerns about the um, critical infrastructure or the systems in the region that might be at threat by acts of terrorism or crime, significant um, risk, and it brings people together and provides a mechanism to communicate. Is that where the secure membership comes in, or is that? Well, no, it, that, that's another good point. That is where the secure membership comes in, because um, each one of the InfraGuard members are vetted by the FBI, um, and anyone in law enforcement you know, will know. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a federal, state, city background check, and then uh, the FBI does some internal counterterrorism and terrorism checks just to make sure everybody's okay. And then when you come in to one of these InfraGuard events um, that are going on uh, every month across the country, um, I, I wouldn't say that everybody's completely relaxed. You know, they're not you know bubbling at the mouth with the problems that they're having in their corporations. But the level of people that that we're getting in in the New York City area attending our meetings, some, some very high-level people, and there are some private conversations that go on. And, um, you know, people can can talk about problems that they're having in their companies and solutions that they've brought to their companies without actually identifying a lot of what's going on. They can, they can talk in, in broader terms. The other really cool uh, aspect of the InfraCard program is that when you come to one of our events, you'll, you're going to meet you know, some of the military people. You're going to meet some of the law enforcement people from all three levels of law enforcement when you're in New York City, uh, you know, from local law enforcement to, to state law enforcement uh, to federal law enforcement. They're all going to be there, all right, and from one meeting to another. And they may not be at every single meeting uh, because these guys have you know, full-time jobs that they have to they have to, uh, you know, be doing. But um, for the most part, there's generally there's there's always somebody from the FBI at every single one of our meetings. We generally get the NYPD at least one person at every one of our meetings. Um, the state police they come in and go out. Although if the state police generally aren't there, uh, we're usually getting somebody from the AG's office, uh, the Attorney General's office in New York. So you know we do get we get a lot of you know participation in our program, and and. The beauty of that is two things. Number one, we create a trusted environment 
where people get to know one another and they can speak more freely, if not in the open classroom, at least on, on the sidebars. All right, and the other piece is that uh, people establish a mechanism for communication to law enforcement. So if you were from, um, let's just say, Joe's Big Bank, all right, and maybe you're a, a, a VP or a senior VP in charge of facilities or security or risk management uh, for your organization, and you weren't really clear about uh, who to talk to in law enforcement, you could come to one of our meetings, all right, and, and meet those people. And what that does is it cuts down the time incredibly, and it cuts down on the frustration and the stress. Because if an incident does happen in your corporation, then, you know, you've already set up this communication mechanism, and everybody's a, a little bit more at ease, a little bit more relaxed. Um, you don't have this tension of, gee, I really don't know who this guy is, I don't know what to say, or anything like that. Um, you know, Charlie Muldoon did a great job um, with us here in New York City. Charlie's a, now he's a supervisory special agent with the Bureau. Uh, but today we have uh, Mike McAndrew, and, uh, and Mike is a special agent with the Bureau, and he's what's called the InfraGuard Coordinator. Um, he's the nexus between the private company, the InfraGuard Members Alliance, and the field office. So, you know, our members can go to Mike, and they do. Um, they feel at ease to talk to him because they see him every month. Um, and, you know, there's there's enough guys that are going up to him and saying, you know, hey, Mike, what if, you know, um, you know, putting hypotheticals by him and stuff like that. And and people are, are just getting to be a little bit more relaxed to, to know that, first of all, law enforcement doesn't have all the answers. And that, second of all, there is somebody that they can go to. And, uh, and our coordinators in New York, Charlie and Mike, um, are terrific uh, because, you know, they'll tell them, hey, look, you know, I, I don't have all the information, but we do have a unit, yada, yada, yada. This is the unit. This is the contact. And I'll contact him for you. He should get back to you within 24, 48 hours. And that happens. So that that's kind of one of the beauties of the system. If I can talk about one other thing, um, so to speak, the ROI that the FBI gets out of the program, um, the beauty, the beauty of the InfraGuard program is that we, we do have um, well over 26,000 secure members across the country from, um, from all these 18 different verticals. And I think as it says on our national board, it says, you know, from the Fortune 500 companies across America. The beauty of this is that when the FBI is looking for information, now, Sometimes the FBI is looking for direct case information. In other words, uh, there's been a, a bank robbery at Lexington and 53rd. Here's an image of the guy. If you've seen him, please call us. That's one type of information. That's, I call that direct information. All right. But a lot of times what the FBI will do um, or what their needs will be is kind of like this indirect information. Um, does, does anybody know about X topic? All right, and uh, they can put that out over the InfraGuard um, secure mailing list, or um, they can just peruse our database of people and, and the companies that they work for. And what that has done, what we have been told by the FBI, is that has cut, cut their case investigation time. It has slivered it to, to, to miserines. I mean, it is it has taken it from, from months and months of investigation 
down to minutes, hours, and days. Um, so it's it's really cut that timeline down incredibly, and and that's where the you know one of the things the FBI gets they derive a tremendous ROI when they have information that comes up during a case that they need greater understanding for or an expansion on a topic or a subject or something of that nature. Besides the obvious direct information, you know, here's a picture. This is the guy that held up the bank. Do you know who he is? Call us if you have information. Right. So for listeners, ROI, return on investment, um, the, the, that's very interesting because I don't think some many of the people – the public, general public doesn't understand how we have so so limited resources in law enforcement and the expertise in the private sector is what you're referring to, all the, the knowledge of the business world that, that the FBI then can call somebody who knows something that you don't have to go hunting for so and in such an arduous and time-consuming manner. Um, another advantage, um, since I'm so interested in crime and intelligence analysis and um, we have something in that called the problem analysis triangle where the managers of a place have a big impact on crime because every crime, including terrorism, has to have an offender, a place, and a target or victim. So the managers of businesses can – it's not just a police solution to prevent crime or terrorism. It's its, it's everyone's responsibility. So maybe you could speak to how, how that fits in for the people involved in InfraGuard, what they're learning – how to protect their assets? Well, I, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. Now, you know, um, every company that's out there, uh, Deb, you know, uh, each one of these companies, there's, there's nothing we've learned from Infocard over the last five years. Companies are very individual. Uh, they have different different policies, different cultures. The leadership takes on different forms in different companies. Um, so there is no one, uh, you know, one one sock fits all, so to speak, you know, with companies. But what InfraGuard does do is it allows the people who are participating in the program, and generally speaking, it's a high-level person, all right, um, it allows them to go into a secure, trusted forum um, and and learn about what a good practice is, what a good policy is and how other people that they're meeting with, because at our events we have 100, 200 people at the event, and hear from others on how they're, uh, they're playing off that policy and, and maybe also hearing about what some of the problems are in articulating a policy or, with some companies. So you, you could be within the pharmaceutical industry and have a very, very stringent uh, and, and very tight, strictly controlled you know, project management theory about how you know, the development of products works. Well, you could go into the academic world, and it might not be that stringent. Um, it might be very loose, you know, freewheeling and things of that nature. So there's a different dynamic in, in, in companies. There's even a different dynamic depending uh, within industry. So if you went into the banking industry, um, you know, depending upon the policy of uh, of the CEO, sometimes the culture the CEO brings in, um, it could it could really determine um, you know how security and risk management plays out without within the entire company. The other thing that will have uh, obviously a direct impact on a lot of this um, with companies is whether they're a uh, a local player, a regional player. 
a national player or a global player. Uh, you know, companies that have to be concerned about their policies in France and Italy and Japan and China and all over the world are obviously going to be, um, I think, a little bit more prepared uh, than companies that are just local players because they're seeing and they have to react um, to all these priorities that are going on all over the world. I think it's important um uh, sort of a segment that I just thought of here for your members to understand also that the FBI's InfraGuard program is a national program. It is not an international program. All right. Uh, it's just in the United States. And that uh, citizens of the United States uh, can apply for the program. Uh, we're not yet ready to go international um, with people who are not citizens of the United States. So um, so that's that's where the program is. Uh, Deb, refocus me a little bit, because did I answer your question? Well, I, you know, I just want listeners to be clear about what the benefits are to be a member of InfraGuard for those in in industry or private sector, and or public sector, perhaps. Um, what would public sector members be besides law enforcement? Oh, uh, it, it gets very robust uh, depending upon the discussion that we're having. Um, but uh, you know, uh, from the from the federal level, uh, we deal with the FTC um, when we're talking about identity theft and identity fraud. Um, you know, that that is a very very big deal. Um, we also talk to the FCC um, with communications when we talk to companies about um, all right, if you get thrown back into the Stone Age. Uh, because of a terrorist event or because an internal terror event, in other words, you know, um, you know, we, these what we call homegrown terrorists here in the U United States. Um, you know, so what is your communication mechanism? And so we had the FCC come down and explain, um, you know, uh, the legal mandate involved in uh, in ham radios, uh, the amateur radio uh, league that's out there. And uh, uh, the folks in the, the amateur radio area actually played a very, very big role in Hurricane Katrina and continue to play a very, very big role across the United States. Now, uh, what we at InfraGuard in New York say, you know, is, you know, there's a lot of great technology out there today, and, you know, how could we ever get thrown into the Stone Age again? Well, you know, we, we hit a pretty hard brick wall on 9-11. And when you, you know, when you look at communication, if if we had a robust um, ham radio system in, in New York City, um, that would have probably been very, very helpful, especially if it was uh, more distributed uh, and tested on a, on, a, on a monthly or quarterly basis um, by firehouses and police houses and EMS houses within the New York City system um, because all technologies uh, that we have today, like voice over IP, faxing, email, all that kind of thing, that that can all be run um, within the ham radio world, um, and a lot of people weren't aware of that. So, you know, that's an example of, you know, our, our discussion with the FCC and you know, there were a lot of concerns by companies out there. Oh, we're not allowed to use that. We're a commercial company. Uh, not true. As long as there's a state of emergency and until we're back to what they call normalcy, 
the ham radio operations can be used. They just can't be used in a commercial world uh, for profit. But that's that's one of our FCC uh, conversations. Uh, I had the benefit of uh, of interviewing and and being with Tommy Thompson um, and talking about pandemic awareness. Uh, you know, U.S. Health, right? Uh, um, another agency out there that Infragard has, re, you know, actually we, we've done some work with them. Uh, FEMA today, uh, we have uh, uh, one of our alliance presidents uh, from our New Haven, uh, Connecticut alliance, who is actually deployed as a volunteer with FEMA, uh, and she's down in Texas today. Uh, just got an email from her about uh, an hour ago. Uh, she is fully deployed with FEMA uh, down in Texas uh, waiting for Hurricane uh, Ike um, to make to make land uh, down there. So um, there's a lot of different areas where public agencies get involved with this um, from a a large a large swath of areas. Uh, uh, I sit on panels uh, with uh, uh, the U.S. Department of Commerce um, with their CSO um, and the insurance industry, and um, there's there's just endless examples of how this goes um, and uh, you know it, it not only runs at the federal level uh, but it also runs at the state level uh, the New York State Department of uh, Homeland Security uh, very much involved in the InfraGuard program up in Albany certainly uh, and then the downstate folks here in New York City very much involved in the program um, if uh, if your guests were to come and, and view our, our current agenda uh, for this month um, which is focused on the state of network security, um, you'd find William Pelgren, um, who is uh, the director of uh, the Critical Infrastructure uh, Protection uh, Office in New York State. Uh, you know, Will will be giving a presentation in, in New York City. And then the city government as well in New York City is, is very much involved in the InfraCard program. So there, there are benefits. And, you know, what I said before about the private sector being able to meet law enforcement, well, it's just as important for law enforcement to be able to meet those people in in the private sector. So if there's an emergency and you're a law enforcement person and you're standing outside this skyscraper, you know, which one of the 40 floors do I want to go into? Well, if you've already made that introduction and you already know these people and you've already been doing some networking, we ought to be able to cut that process probably in half, maybe even to a quarter or to an eighth, all right, uh, because you've been attending these meetings on a regular basis. You've gotten to meet the people that you need to meet. Your contacts are up to date, and you have a pretty good idea of what the sense of geography as well as culture is within an organization. It actually sounds like um, crime and intelligence analysts would benefit from being members of InfraGuard just because the role of an analyst is in the future should be to help decision makers have access to the information they need at their fingertips by analyzing it and having solutions to whether it's a solution that was already devised in it, um, by people networking in InfraGuard meeting. But I won't go, that's just my um, imagination running wild here. Um, <laughs> but tomorrow's um, the anniversary of 9-11 and we will all remember the losses of that day with great sadness and respect for those who died so tragically. And as you were saying, InfraGuard really wasn't on its feet to, at, on, the, on that day in New York City. So what's different now 
you know, you ha- you've been in place and you've developed this organization. What what what's the benefit to the New York City metro area right now compared to that day? Well, uh, I I think InfraGuard has has really helped. Um, we've really helped organizations push the conversation. All right, um, the whole discussion about risk management, uh, emergency response, uh, the value of communication, um, the establishment of a security metrics. Um, we we beat these items, you know, to death in New York City. We have a very robust um, um, city agency response. First, you know, the first responder. You know, NYPD is an absolutely huge presence in New York City. The New York City Department of uh, Emergency Management is, is, is very big and very vocal in New York, as is the fire department and uh, the emergency medical service in New York City. But, you know, each one of those agencies has a defined mission. And um, while they may be able to secure a block, a city block, uh, the roadway in and out, uh, a lot of things, what InfraGuard does is it fills in the gap in between, all right, so that if uh, a major event is going on, um, because you have already brokered your InfraGuard uh, contacts, agreements, and, and other things that, that come up at our, our events, um, you're that much further ahead of the people who have not been engaging with the local community. And that's one of the, the clear benefits and distinctions, I think, that, that we've grown since 9-11. You know, we've, we've got the world's largest police department um, sitting at our doorsteps here in New York City. Uh, I think today maybe 36,000, 37,000 sworn police officers. But you know what? We also have, you know, 4 million people a day, uh, you know, coming in and out of New York City to go to work. So while we have a huge police department, absolutely huge presence with fire and, and emergency management, InfraGuard really um, does a nice job of bringing the private sector and the public sector closer together um, because, uh, you know, a lot of people across the country don't understand this. The needs in New York City are great uh, for education and for communication. Those needs are really great. When you have millions, and I do mean literally, millions of people communicating and transporting each and every day going to work, uh, you can just imagine, you know, um, what, the, what the needs could be like. The other thing, too, to take into consideration in New York City, um, that we are really the home of the world. Um, over 118 different languages are spoken in New York City and some very, very diverse communities. Um, so when we talk, you know, in our 18 different verticals, we have people coming from the UN. We have people coming from all around the world into our venues, um, either as visitors or secure members, depending upon whether or not they're citizens. Um, but uh, you know, our meetings are generally open, so if someone wants to come in, they can come in as long as we know who they are. All right, and uh, we provide a massive amount of information. So since 9/11, um, I do think we've we've played a critical role. Um, and we filled in a, uh, part of a, uh, a gap. I, I won't go as far to say that InfraGuard has filled the gap. <laughs> All right, because, you know, quite frankly, 
we'd have to be 10 times the size we are and 100 times the size of our budget in order to make a really good impact in New York City. I have this little saying that, that we talk about on our board in New York City, and um, I'll, I'll share it with you and, and your visitors. Uh, we'll, I'll know, you know, Joe and Cannon will know that InfraCard has made an impact. Um, when we can start raising uh, billboards in Times Square and on the entrance of the LIE uh, to come into Midtown Manhattan, you know, just keeping people aware, all right, um, I have, I have this saying at, at each one of our meetings, you know, because we have we we uh, hold our meetings in in some very very nice places around the city, and I I tell our members that if I had my druthers, um, I'd, I'd bring the temperature down to about 45 degrees, I'd have nothing but steel chairs, steel tables, and everybody would be very uncomfortable listening to our, uh, you know, our guest lecturers sometimes. Um, I, you know, getting people comfortable is is a nice thing, um, but keeping them aware and a little bit off balance is very very important for InfraGuard uh, because we don't want anyone to really get that relaxed and that complacent because that's what brought us 9/11. Getting relaxed, getting complacent, not being attentive, not being alert, not being aware, and I think InfraGuard has has helped fill some of that. Uh, certainly has a long way to go and a lot of growing to do before we can really take um, take uh, I guess uh, credit for you know really doing something really substantial here in the New York City area. Well, I think um, you coming on the show today has maybe hopefully increased some awareness in the future because this show is available in the iTunes store and on online indefinitely. And as you said early in the show, um, which I appreciate your awareness, the fact that I'm doing this just to increase the awareness of, of what I feel is the value of analyzing information, sharing information, using that technology that is still rather new and making a difference to improve safety. But as as you noted and as, as InfraGuard stresses, it's the relationships, listening to conversations such as this show, um, meeting people that really make a difference. And so um, I'm glad that you're doing this work. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you, Deb, and, and much success with your program. All right, uh, love to participate with you. Thank you, and and I'll thank the listeners for joining us on the on Analyst Corner, and for, ask them to stay tuned for more expert guests and best practices in crime and intelligence analysis and policing. Thank you, and stay safe. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. Take, take care. Bye.